I analyze dreams to keep my head level Strip mining the system to stare at the devil A whiny voice flexing but it got no real power You tell them to flee and they'll be gone in an hour One words are like brass knuckles connecting to y'all's jaws of glass I ain't losing, I don't lose, so fight fair This is for the real ones who ears are open, no they're here There's a reason my voice comes through while you're sitting here Something gets a fine tooth, a bump on your way to work And other know the spirit is hitting in, so let it work Yeah Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and dogs of all ages, that includes puppies. You're tuned into Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Monk. Remember, the best way you could help us spread the love here, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you listen on those platforms. And then on your social medias, just take a screenshot of what you're listening to, post it, be like, hey dudes, hey chicks, listen to this good podcast and let people know about it. And then you can also interact with us on social media. We're at Glowry and on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can submit questions, ideas for episodes, also Q&A. We're gearing up for another Q&A episode soon, so you can ask your questions there. Again, check out the links in the show notes for links to everything else we have going on. A book coming out soon, Reclaiming the Man, A Rough Guide to Knowing Your Divine Self, and um, all the glory music stuff that is going on as well. So today, we're getting into some interesting topics. Uh, these are questions. Uh, it's not necessarily a Q&A, but topics submitted through... Uh, people who listen to the podcast and um, these things have been, these topics have been going on in conversations I've had with people over the last few years. So I'm going to riff on them a bit, but um, the question, I'm saying I'm a lot, so I'm going to stop. The question was, what are your thoughts on socialism? Then I got another question and another thought and a discussion that's been going back and forth a while with a few people about thoughts on capitalism and then also conspiracy theories. So, uh, so what are my thoughts on socialism, capitalism, and conspiracy theories? And I'm trying to offer you a fairly balanced view here because I'd say before I talk about any of these, there is no one size fits all when it comes to forms of government. I think ultimately, if we are relying on the government for all of our sustenance, for our whole lives, if we are relying on the government to think we can mandate our way out of being good people, or we can mandate other bad people, we can mandate them into being good people by creating laws and things, it doesn't work that way. The fact that you even have to create a law that says, no, you shouldn't kill people and killing people is bad. The fact that you have to create a law in the laws of your land, in your governmental system to do that. The fact that you have to create a law that says, don't steal from people and we'll punish you if you do. The fact that we even have to have laws like that show cut to the core of the matter that the, the problem is not with what governmental system or structure is available or is in power in whatever given country, city, state, 
locality that you are, the problem gets down to the heart of man, man giving his God-given authority over to a system or a structure. So instead of taking responsibility for himself and those under him, he has to look to a law to show him how to live. So instead of self-governance, since we don't believe in our own divinity and our own personal power, we have to rely on a government. So uh, first one we'll get into, I'll talk a little bit about socialism. So the first thing is socialism. There's a lot of idealism that happens with socialism. Um, I think at the heart, socialism is good. Right, Because the heart of the matter, if you look at it, is, hey, we're going to pull some funds together from everybody and we're going to use those funds to create things that are going to benefit everybody. Right. We're going to take funds from we're going to take a little bit of funding from everybody and we're going to use that funding, use those resources to help everybody in the country. And then theoretically, right, those funds would especially go to help people who are disadvantaged now the counter to that argument is people's people will say well you keep giving that money to people and they don't have to work for it they don't have to do anything to earn it and then they don't learn any self-sufficiency there's some validity to that argument i'll say so um but on the other hand right if you volunteer to give that money or you give those resources, you have no say in what is done with the resources. And that's the same thing when like you tithe to a church, you tithe to a ministry, you give money to a nonprofit or organization, whatever. Or let's say my home I give twenty bucks to my homeboy. I, I have no say in what he does with that money. You have no say. You all right, you give out of a heart of gratitude and blessing what the person, the organization or whatever does with the money really is not your business. If you're making it your business and that's part of the problem, but the heart behind socialism in that sense, I think it's a good thing because you are, it's, it's compassion and action and it is attempting to take care of others and take care of everybody. Now, my thoughts on this too, though, they're socialism. I think um, if we look at it in terms of a government, a full governmental structure, it works. It can work well on the small scale, but a large scale, something large like the United States or another very large industrialized country, country right? There again to be discrepancies, misuse of just like when anything gets too big and too centralized discrepancies, gray areas, and people taking advantage of that happen, both on the individual level with people cheating the system, but also on the macro level with the people running things, building things into the system that are going to benefit them and hurt other people or benefit themselves, but they don't really care how it affects others. And we've seen this on a mass scale. Look at uh, Venezuela, for example. Uh, as a recent, more recent example of how this can get out of hand. Um, China is called a republic in name, but they do not operate as a republic. 
as another example. Uh, you can look at some of the stuff going on there in the negative sense of when you try to apply the um, socialistic ideas um, at too large a scale, I think it, it ends up creating problems. Um, but the heart of the matter is good. Um, but when you say socialism in the American or the Western context, people get triggered. But here's the thing, man. And I'm not saying I'm pro-socialism. I'm not or, or anti-socialism. I'm just putting together some thoughts right now to get you to start thinking. But here's the thing. You do realize in our current system that we have socialist programs that you benefit from. You're like, wait, what? I'm like, look, socialism exists in the United States, in our government right now. It's just the socialist party is not a party that's in power. But we have socialist programs that have been in existence that we all benefit from. For example, let's look at interstate highways, right? These are big roads that anyone can drive on. We transport resources across these big roads. We get from point A to point B on these roads, right? Part of our money goes towards paying for them and everybody uses them. And we would have a hard time saying that the interstate system, for example, these roads that we drive on are um, a bad thing. They haven't benefited us, right? You have a hard time saying that. Well, right, using those resources to build something that benefits other people, that is socialism, right? So the way we build roads and public transportation, things of that nature, that's socialism. All right, you have tax money, property tax money that goes towards paying for a fire department. So if your house is on fire and you call 911 and the fire department shows up and puts the fire out, guess what? That's, right, another socialist program, okay? Are we going to say that having a fire department is a bad thing, right? Law enforcement. It's funny because you, a lot of people would kind of look at law enforcement, people who back the blue, so to speak. I'm not going to get into that can of worms right now. Uh, you would seem would be anti-socialist, but law enforcement and using, again, using tax dollars to create a public fund for a public service such as law enforcement. That's a socialist program. Public education, which the majority of the people in our country attend. That's a socialist program. Now, all these things are socialist programs. Are we a socialist nation? No. Is the socialist party in charge? No. But these degrees of socialism are good. So why are we so scared of the word? Again, if you start breaking down the ideas and what's really going on, and not getting caught up in all the chitter-chatter of the way the media can spin something, you'll see there are advantages and disadvantages, and you can come to your own conclusion. Right. So, those are some thoughts on socialism. 
Again, the heart of the matter with socialism, it's good. You're trying to take care of people, right? You're trying to provide services that will help people at a large scale. And like I said, I think on a small scale, you know, if you provide governmental measures, it works well. But it's like when you try to unilaterally apply socialism across a massive amount of people and it become the only way things get done that becomes problematic. And there are tons of examples in history that show you that. And again, there are socialist programs in the United States. All these public services that we benefit from and we consider part of our everyday life, those are socialist programs, and we wouldn't say that they are bad. Of course, they all have their problems as well, just like with anything. Um, But that's a little bit on socialism. Capitalism. Want to get down to that. Capitalism, you know, or laissez-faire capitalism, as it's been known in America and the founding of our country. It's built some great societies in terms of the economic footprint it has left and the economic prosperity that massive amounts of people have been allowed to have. All right. uh, America wouldn't be America without capitalism. However, can it go too far? Because it's this idea, right? Um, It's a meritocracy. Like, I got what I worked for. Okay, cool. You did. You, you, what you put in is what you got out. I agree with that to a certain extent. But we don't all start at the same point. And I'll use an athletic example because the, the assumption is if someone isn't getting by or doesn't have the things they want or they're struggling, it's because they haven't worked hard. Or they haven't worked hard enough. That is the assumption, you know. And then kind of capitalism is tied in with this old American idea of just buck up buttercup and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? So um, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps all you want, but what if you don't have any boots, right? Now you have a whole different problem. For instance, so I use an example, like an athletic example. I'm a coach, so I like to use sports metaphors and similes to get my points across. And this meritocracy idea would be you have me and you have my homeboy that lives across the street. And let's say we both train together. We both want to be NBA players, let's say that. We train together every day. We do the exact same workouts. We go to the exact same practices. We do everything the same, put in the same amount of hours, whatever. But he gets an NBA contract, and I don't. Well, why is that? It's a meritocracy, right? We both put in the same amount of work. Wait, I didn't get my NBA contract. He did. Okay. But then what if I told you, well, he's six foot nine. I'm six foot two. Okay. So you see, you know, um, this idea of like, I work just as hard as he did. 
I put it, you know, but I didn't have the certain natural capacities, these certain natural gifts that he did. So he obviously got there. Okay. Just to use a sport example. So when we do this thing where we're like, well, so-and-so struggling because they're not working hard. Like, bro, I work with people every day that work their butts off. <laughs> I've seen people in different jobs and different hustles I've been involved in who work their butts off, man, and they still struggle to get by. Okay. There are unequal and uneven starting points. And so my point is there there is a very nuanced problem, and I'm not saying you just you just give everybody everything for free because there's a certain degree of learning how to earn for yourself that again builds character it builds self-respect it builds validation that teaches people things but we have to offer some grace and mercy you can't just look at someone through this lens of traditional western capitalism and think oh they're struggling it must be because they made some bad decisions or it must be because they effed up or it must be because they um aren't working hard they're lazy that's wrong and you can look back through your life and probably see how many lucky breaks you have gotten you know i've gotten some lucky breaks in my life i can also look at you know i was in a couple uh, situations in my life where literally I was a one one bad break, one little circumstance of bad luck away from being from living on the streets. And I'd done all the right things. I'd crossed my T's, I dotted my I's, I got the education, la di da di da I did I did everything Western capitalist society told me to do, and I was still in that position. So I'm not blaming capitalism necessarily for that i'm just saying it is nuanced and it's not necessarily this well you get in what you put out you know work harder strive harder like yeah you do need to work hard that's important but you also have to offer yourself some grace and other people and you also have to admit when you need help and go get it See, and the thing with Western capitalism is, though, we make economy our God through it. Because it is based upon this concept of infinite growth. Right? So how do you know, let's say you run a big company and you want to make a million in profit now. You make a million in profit. You reach your goal, okay, what? Well, how do you grow now? Well, now we need to make $5 million in profit, right? You reach that goal, you make $5 million in profit. Now what? We need to make fifteen, et cetera. Add infinitum, right? It's based upon this concept of infinite growth, meaning the only way you win in capitalism is if you continue to grow infinitely. But we never ask the question of what do we actually need in this capitalistic model. So again, capitalism is great in terms of motivating people and giving people the abilities to enterprise and enterprise freely, though you can't really enterprise freely nowadays. They're trying to get rid of that. 
right? The the IRS is trying to step in. If I go, if I sell my neighbor a gallon of milk from a cow that I milked on my farm, all right, they're trying to say I need to record that and tax that and, and pay taxes on that, pay sales tax on that. They're trying to say that I need, uh, it's illegal for me to do that because I need to have that substance regulated, you know, and that's just all a ploy because the government's going broke and they're losing control. But I'll get out of that and I'll get out of that and get back on this. But uh, the point is, you know, you have a lot of individual freedom to create what you want to create and be who you want to be in capitalism. And, you know, you can grow as much as you want to. You can shrink as much as you want to. But what we don't ask is what we need in this, you know, why does Bill Gates, you know, need another billion on top of however many billion he has? Why does Jeff Bezos need another, like, you know what I mean? Why does Jeff Bezos need another billion on top of the billions he has? You know, if I run a successful development company, Right. What do I need in order to keep growing? I need more land. I need more resources. I need more raw materials. I need more people to build with the raw materials, right? Well, what happens when we run out of land, man? So, at some point in this capitalistic journey America has been on, we have to start considering what's sustainable because right now the way we assume capitalism has to have infinite growth it's not sustainable and we're hitting a tipping point that's why we're seeing a bunch of the problems we are in our country and across the world really and coronavirus you know that that worldwide pandemic has showed us bro we got big problems in our supply chain we got big problems because so much has been centralized and kept in one place. And again, like I said, if you apply what I talked about in the socialistic concept, it works well on a small scale. Capitalism, same way, man. On a small local scale, it can work great. It's worked great on a big scale. But again, the problem is we never consider, A, one, how, do, how much do we need? And then two, how are we going to sustain this? Because then at the end of the day with the capitalistic argument, it ends up someone wins and someone loses. And so what I'm looking for, what I say is, is there an opportunity here for capitalism and the way we look at capitalism? Is there a way for capitalism to scale down, still allow the freedom and the empowering qualities that make it good? And do it in a way that's sustainable and create win-win situations for people. That's the question I would have. And then that gets us on to conspiracy theories. Everybody's favorite topic. So here's the deal with conspiracy theories. I've gone down the rabbit hole with like most conspiracy theories you could think of. Um, I didn't really get into the flat earth stuff. I am aware of it though, but here's the thing with conspiracy theories. They all lead back to the lizard people that live under the earth. 
um, that are trying to create the conditions necessary for them to rise on the surface and enslave the human race. And you've got the few elite people that serve the lizard people that live under the earth. And they are trying to um, <clears throat> hold humans captive. And those who have pledged their allegiance to them will get to be special have special places of authority when the lizard people overlords do eventually rise. I'm sort of being facetious, but if you start following every conspiracy theory out, this is where they eventually meet. So thing with thing with conspiracy theories is, or are, is this a type of soapboxing? You know, with a lot of people, um, there's a type of pride that comes along with the soapboxing. Like, I have special insider knowledge that you don't. So I'm going to put myself up here in this level. And all you dumb sheep, all you dumb people down here, y'all don't really realize what's going on. So now you create a layer of separation between you and other people. It's a way of making yourself feel validated. Like you have a special type of knowledge. And it's interesting because a lot of believers, a lot of Christians get caught up in this line of thinking. A lot of Christians love conspiracy theories because it, again, creates this world, this realm of self-righteousness. So if I'm not self-righteous in my religion, I can be self-righteous right about this insider information that I have. But where are you getting your information from, bro? You know? Most people who go down that rabbit hole, they're getting it off of YouTube. Come on, bro. Come on. I, I can, I can get on YouTube right now, and I can cut a bunch of, I can cut a few videos and put the right tags on them, and then, you know, I could build myself as a conspiracy theory expert, an expert in a field when I haven't really done anything to do it. I just baited y'all. So, um. That's the thing about conspiracy theories, man. Now, uh, there are some good things that come with conspiracy theories because some of this stuff ends up being true. So one thing, though, it's just about how far the rabbit hole you go. I'm not too worried about conspiracy theories because personally me, I look inwardly every day and I'm like, hey, God, where are you? Hey, God, what do you want me to do today? It's me and God me and my wife, me and my family, and me and my neighbors and my community. I could care less about what's going on, all of this other stuff worldwide. You know what? If I can control myself, if I can control my attitude and my effort and feel God in my life and act according to my divine nature in my interactions day to day, it doesn't matter. All that other stuff is just chatter anyway. But one thing I will say in regards to conspiracy theories is where there's smoke, there is fire. All right. So some of this stuff, when you poke around at it, um, it will come to light. But the problem is, it's like, so you know that information. The thing you thought was a conspiracy turns out to be true. How does that help you in your life? How does that help you in your day-to-day -day life? Day-to-day, -day, what, you, what you do, what you say, what you eat, what you put in your body. Do you work out? Do you not? Are you getting enough sleep? How you treat your husband? How you treat your wife? How you treat your kids? How you treat your neighbor? It doesn't. 
Right. So I'm like, why are we so worried about conspiracy theories when we can't do these things? Okay. And like I said, I've gone down the rabbit hole and like every big conspiracy theory you can think of probably. Um, and it ends up being this soapboxing, this pride and this self-righteousness. However, where there is smoke is fire. You could be right. But if you're right, so what? How does it help you in your life, having that information? Um, I heard someone say one time that it's more important to be effective than to be right. And that's my deal with conspiracy theories. Yeah, I could be right and I can be totally ineffective. Right, I'd rather be effective and be wrong. But you could be right. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I get that. And it, one thing, if you look into them and get somewhat well-versed into them, you at least have topics of conversation to talk with people about who are in that world. And maybe there's a way in for y'all to bridge the gap and have a real relationship. But the last thing I would say was that a lot of these conspiracy theories, again, in the global conspiracy theory, they end on a note of hopelessness. They create this very big victim mentality, and that's a problem. So you're going to find out all this insider information so you can just make yourself a victim. Well, we're danged if we do and we danged if we don't because the um, <clears throat> elite, the global elite overlords have control of everything. Like, bro, they're not paying that much attention to you. They aren't, even if that were true. So, my deal, man, if you're going down that rabbit hole with conspiracy theories, cool, but just check yourself and look at the fruit it's producing in your life. And with all of this, man, socialism, capitalism, whatever, you got to look at, if we're obsessing over governmental structures, we're obsessing over... All these potentialities for conspiracies and whatever. What fruit are they producing in your life? At the end of the day, if you can't connect with your divine nature, that's God in you. And you can't love your neighbor as yourself. What are you doing? All right? Stop giving your control and your sense of self and your own God-given authority over to other structures and making yourself a victim. That's kind of what all this gets into for me and the way I see it. So I want to encourage you, man. Consider this stuff with an open heart and open mind. I'm not really doing this to say one way is right and one way is wrong. I'm having these conversations to offer you some different perspectives so you can draw your own conclusion. Don't take my word for it. Open your heart, search your heart, draw your own conclusion. With that being said, it's Monk. Peace and blessings to you from the Most High. I'm out.